Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hi, I'm Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you flat out around the world of Formula One. Guys, it's a real privilege today to be joined by none other than Williams team principal James Vowles. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Billy. (laughs) That's right. We are so grateful for your time, James, but we're going to jump straight in before we do. If you missed it, please go and check out our Williams team special episode and give it a listen. We're going to have a quick look back at this team's amazing history. Absolutely, Billy. But now, let's chat the future. So, James, obviously, we've met each other around a paddock before, you know, but now new pastures, you know, here at Williams. Firstly, just how does it feel to, you know, be in your new role here at Williams? Um, Fantastic is the first word that comes to mind. I mean, probably to describe the scene i know we'll probably go into this but we're currently sat around world championship cars just just a few just a few um in a very special place a place that you'll you'll often find me coming to to hide in if, uh, <laughs> if i need a few minutes of downtime but it's it's an incredible arena so being here surrounded by this if you ever need any doubt as to why i'm here it's here you can see it around you you can see the legacy you can see the championships how it's going for me good uh you can see we were sort of there on the brink of scoring points this year we've got a team that is hungry for it and a team that sort of lifted their heads up a little bit and and willing to to move with me in the direction of travel that we need to go in and so it's a long journey this is not the journey of a month or a week this is many years but it's a strong team that's behind me as as we move forward we're seated here in the heritage williams heritage site with a load of cars around us from all the eras what's your favorite one in here I struggle to pick one. Um, but, but you've got to. It's <laughs> <laughs> no choice, yes. I struggle to pick one. Um, so I'll answer the question two different ways. The, the era where really I got into Formula 1 properly is, is right behind you there. It's the, it's the sort of Ayrton in, in, the, in the Williams, or it's certainly as it went up through Good that choice. phase. Yeah. Um, 
but the the cars behind your your left shoulder, Johnny, are stunning examples of what you can do in Formula One. And uh, the the Mansell Prost yeah. era, but especially the Mansell car over there, I think yeah, that'd be my favourite. Do you wish Formula One was you know that simple again? You know, look at the bodywork there. It, it, it's a little bit different to nowadays, isn't it? I, I don't actually. You, you can't unlearn what you've learned. And if you look at the the direction of travel of the world and where we're going, I think developing technology that actually has a real world purpose is a good part of Formula One. It used to be a part of Formula One back then, and it, it is still today in terms of what we're doing with, with road car technologies. No, I'd, I'm quite happy with the direction of travel we're going in in terms of adding uh, just mind-blowing technologies if you really get into the depth of it. That was the politically correct answer there, mate. Always, <laughs> always looking forward to the future. Always looking forward to the future. Well yeah. said. Out of which one would you can you can't take one away to be completely <laughs> can't clear. take one. Can but we drive one? Still none of those either. But which one would be your preferred? Uh, I'm a, a Senna fan, so you know the ones over my right shoulder. Yeah, '94 era. That would be a bit of me. But also, I was saying to Johnny earlier uh, when I won my first British Championship in karting, I used Red Five was my number. So you know, for that yeah. reason, Mansell. You know, there's always a link there. Perfect. John? Yeah. Well, I'm going a bit. I'm going back a bit further. I'm going sort of eighty six, eighty seven. That the old makes turbo. Sense. I mean, you, you were racing back then. No, so I think. he's no. older in general. Damn you! Damn you! No, I wasn't quite. Thank you, James. No, I'm an early nineties chap. But no, those turbos. They were just awesome, and it looks to me brilliant as Interesting. well. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of this this yeah. movie experience center. There's something for everyone. I can see why you like to hide in here. Exactly. You know, where did it all? begin for you the edu- educational route well, how was it for you so the i mean if we go way back um that far back wow no. <laughs> um no, if we go if we go to the study side i i was sort of mathematics computer science with the two degrees that sort of it's combined degree i did early on the clever stuff the, <laughs> yes it, it was only I, I didn't know what to do but I, I was quite good at mathematics and a little bit of computing so i thought let's combine the two do a degree in it and and back this is sort of 90s late 90s whereabouts did you do that the first one was a place called east anglia university of east anglia um which i i i didn't do my um high school education here in the uk i actually did all of my my schooling in geneva in switzerland so i didn't really know much about the uk and i know i have an english accent to come across that yeah. way but uh, i really mine. wanted to come back <laughs> <laughs> really wanted to come back here to the country that, that i was born in and to to do my studies here I chose that university because my sister was there. That was it. Um, I, I was a bit naive, really, in terms of choosing university. It's not that it's a bad university. It's a very good one. But went there. And about a year and a half into mathematics, computer science, as I was falling asleep at my desk writing a <laughs> paper, I thought, this really isn't for me. I, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Because um, the sort of prospects were... There's, there's a number in front of you, but finance, accounting could be a couple mm. of them, certainly. And it wasn't really for me. So I applied to all, all 11 teams. I think I'm pretty sure it's 11 teams back then. Johnny may know. Um, <laughs> I think it was. You're right. <laughs> there you go. Noted. Um, well and uh, got rejected to all of them. But they were very helpful. They were helpful in as much as they gave me direction, which is the reason why is because no one really needs a pure mathematician or computer mm. scientist. What we need is engineering backgrounds and clever graduates. So finished that degree off, then went to Crowdfield University university and did a second uh, engineering masters and and that was a good masters it was yeah. a good good university and, and did me well and so is motorsport in your head at this point yeah definitely i mean the reason for applying was i'm, I'm quite a tenacious let's call it person so when someone <laughs> says no i'm like no no <laughs> this is going to be for me and i thought I'd, I'd make it my life mission to get into formula one and i couldn't figure out how to get into formula one johnny back then everyone i met mm. or spoke to roughly speaking when i was at cranfield 
had got into it, but it's an unclear pathway, which now fortunately does exist. It's yeah. much, much better for, for certainly graduates making their way in. But it was definitely in my head, definitely motorsport was there. So during the second degree, I was uh, with a Formula 3 team at the same time, basically in the end running that, as it, as it turns out, because their focus became Le Mans racing, then went to do Le Mans racing with them as well. So did the 24 hours. Uh, at the time, it was with a, mm-hmm. Nissan as the company. But Enjoyed all of it. Love, love motor racing, but proper grassroots. I did everything from Formula Ford, GT racing, all that sort of business, um, from scraping tires to doing data analysis, as, <laughs> nice. as all of you <laughs> yeah. will know, um, and got my hands properly dirty. Dirty, with it. good. And then during this period of time, I got through Cranfield, didn't know where the future would hold, and, and got very fortunate. I got a, uh, effectively through a number of mechanisms. We were doing a, a school race car project that was um, taken on by a company called Jim Russell Racing. Um, mm, yeah. Fortunately, it went bankrupt two weeks after that. But in doing so, I had to do a presentation of it. In the audience was a number of Formula One teams, had job offers the next day. That's how it worked. Must so, have been a pretty good presentation then. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always define it this way, and people keep correcting me, but I was fortunate. I was in amongst a peers of 20 that were just as clever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. uh, for whatever reason on that day, it was, uh, it was my day. So Braun. So that's mm. where it starts. Tell us, a, tell us about that. Born going was, there. I mean, as you know, so before then, eight years or so in Formula One, leading through Honda, and then going up to Bors Born GP. Yeah. And, with, and with Honda, Honda, a great organization, but just unfortunately, what literally, over, literally overnight decided, that's mm. it, we're done. And it, it closed, tried to close the doors fundamentally. You can't in the UK. Um, and that's what became Born GP. And Born GP, same clever individuals that were there during 2004, 2006, yeah. during those years, and again now 2009. And I could have told you, and in fact, I think we did to a lot of people, that that car was going to be quick. It was being developed in three wind tunnels simultaneously. Back then, right. we had no restrictions. Yeah, sure. And uh, it was a behemoth of a car, a fantastic car. It's a special, special year for me. I remember... Every single race we can have over dinner, I could take you through hours upon hours of just discussions. Go on then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the main one is this. Um, We had two chassis, two front wings, two rear wings for the first many races. Um, If we'd hit one of them off or not one of them off, that was it. It was game over. It wasn't that we... So the drivers get a real pep talk before those first few races? 100%. A lot of that actually continuing on into the Mercedes era. In the Mercedes era, even, we'd still remind them in the morning, look after these cars... All we have, even though you had more bits, it was just, it was a part of, I guess, the culture that got built up from it. But the drivers were aware, both knew. But I remember in the winter when we were still trying to pull the car together, literally. I mean, we we cut sort of a few mil off the back of it to try and shoehorn a Mercedes engine into it. Um, And then off the show car, just got seatbelts and brake discs and all sorts. I mean, just, it was cobbled together. That really was it. Took the car in that form. Others were now testing away. I think it was in Barcelona at the time. And every time the car got released, we thought, that's odd. That looks about, well, that's where ours was probably a year ago. And we made they got an update kit. And another one came out, and then another one came out. And you thought, actually, we're, we're looking okay here, where <laughs> people are a behind. Went to Stowe Circuit at Silverstone, which many people don't know this, but Stowe Circuit isn't the full Silverstone Circuit. It's this small little school circuit. And yep. that's where we did a laps. That's all we could afford to do. Yeah. Did 50 laps of that, one set of tyres, um, out of two trucks. Really, if you went back 10 years, that was more, or 20 years, that's more how it was. I remember HPP turning up, looking around, going, where do, where do we set up? I saw this <laughs> tailgate half down, just there, that would do. That's, <laughs> where, that's where we are. Did 50 laps. Car worked. Obviously, you can't tell anything. Put it into the into the truck, literally drove it straight to Barcelona, took it out, and then we started doing laps. And the laps were were interesting. So first and foremost, Jensen went in the car, did, did a six-lap run, make sure everything's okay, got back out. 
He said, it's, it's, it's not good. It just doesn't feel good. It's so much understeer. I just, I can't drive around it. Okay. Um, no problem. Made some changes. The, the team pretty much in the Mercedes era, the same team there. And so Andrew Shovelin was, was there at the time. Yeah. Made the changes, went back out, came back in and said, I, I'm so sorry. I, I thought it, I thought it'd be, you know, I, I know this is going to be a strong year for us. It just doesn't feel good. Took him to the timing page where he was three and a half seconds faster than anyone else. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's I the heard. quickest I've heard a racing driver go, actually, the car's it's fine. fine. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> no problem. Classic driver. Uh, yeah. But it, it just goes to show you, actually, that everything is relative. It's a feeling yeah, in the car. Sure. You think, yeah, it's fine. But actually, as long as you're three and a half seconds up in another car, it doesn't matter. You can do that. you, Johnny. I could drive around a Siri car that was yeah, three and a half exactly. seconds. I wish I had a car that was three and a half seconds quicker than everything. I'd give that it would have helped. Indeed. I mean, as you saw, though, what happened is just without investment, people just ate into that performance lead very quickly and, and that yeah, championship was won course. in the first six races yeah. but at no stage throughout that did any of us think there was a championship all you were doing was if you go to the next race and do a good job we have potentially a job for the next six months that's it that's what the thought process was who was that instilled by was was that uh, Ross's sort of leadership that got the team thinking in that way because obviously starting off the season that strongly you, yeah. you could see why people would get carried away potentially and think okay we've got something really I, special here I don't think so it's such a strong group of individuals there that had been through really bad years and really good years that I, I think it was really so first of all one individual in my experience same here you, you can't create culture because you'd like it culture comes actually from your organisation you can you can show the signs of what you want but yeah. the culture comes from your organisation I, I don't think so I think it came from all of us both for the scare across the winter that this this might be it this might be our Formula 1 career. It's finished. It's done. Um, but also because um, there's very little ego. Um, there's just, we want to go out and race, much as the same as you two. I'm, I'm here because I enjoy racing with, yeah. with all my heart. And the team is pretty much, the, the Born GP was built that way. And as a result, it's not about where we're going to be in the future. How do we make money out of this? It was, we know we can survive what's going on. Ross's mm. time was spent a tremendous amount of the time, at least just trying to find um, where we're going to move on beyond there, who's going to buy the organization. So it wasn't in the day-to-day -day running of the organization anymore. Yeah. Um, what, what was the biggest thing you learned from that period, obviously working with Ross? Then, of course, you cross over to Mercedes. Um, obviously with Toto what was the biggest thing that you've probably brought here the most powerful thing I, I think um, the, the culture aspect I pick up on I picked up on but it really is that everything in Formula 1 teams it's not without question the better your internal the, the slightly better the performance is but everything comes down to people it's yep. always down to people and culture and everyone here is in this business not because you want to make money but because you love the sport and what really it taught me a, it's all about the people. It's all about the individuals. But you need to align everyone to the same direction and the same goal. And often that can get lost. You're, you're focused on small, trivial, day-to-day -day problems, not the larger. How do we move forward one year, two years, and three years? And what certainly that whole period of time taught me is that you have to keep your, your head up out of the hole and mm. in the ground that you, you've made for yourself almost and just look forward and bring everyone else with you at the same time. And people and culture are your two most powerful tools that exist within an organization. Haven't come to a bad place, have you, for the, <laughs> no, for the history yeah, and the history. culture and everything else? You what sort of it, feel what's it your all first day here yeah. like? You know, when you've made that transition, you've you know you've been at Mercedes, you've been involved in that team through dominant years of Formula One, and you come into this new role here at Williams, and you know that the the likelihood is you're not going to be winning world championships straight off the bat. You know, Formula One's a competitive sport, and Williams at the minute is on a team that's hoping to rise back up the grid, but. Did you feel when you came here that there was still a lot of positivity around the place? What was your initial impression of, you know, setting up base here? 
Um, first impression is a number of clever people, but with systems and methods that perhaps are based 20 years out of date in a lot of areas. And, and that's it. It's not that there isn't a want or desire to become competitive here. It's just many of the systems and methods through underinvestment, really, because yeah. the team really went through hardship. And what I found is a lot of individuals in what I would call survival mode. This isn't about how do we how do we move forward. It was I need to get this piece of the car now, otherwise the car's not moving. And you that's really what I found here. And I can see how this organization did survive. Exactly that, right words for it. And now it's it's a direction, hopefully, of travel that, that I think everyone's bought into that this but this isn't survival. We have funding that will last us for many, many years. Don't don't be worried about that. And don't be worried about taking two weeks to do something if it becomes better as a result of it. Don't rush into something. Take your time. And that cultural change is something that will take time with an organization. You can't change it overnight. It, it does take years, literally years, to change culture. Mm -hmm. But the direction of travel is the important one. But what I found was that clever individuals but no structures, systems, or at least no up-to-date ones. And I've said this publicly, but it, it, it's still, it's, now that I've been here for several months, a complete mystery to me how this incredible car got built. It's about 17,000 components, and it's very hard to do that without a structured system that tells you where all the parts are, how long they're going to take. And yet we have a car, four wheels are on it, it's going around the track, and those structures and systems don't exist. So how incredible will this organization be once they are in place is really the thought process I have. Yeah, and the thing that interests me as well, of course, your journey is, we all know you as the strategist, mm. head strategist at, at Mercedes. One thing is, what have you learned from that that you've been able to bring here? But secondly, when was in your head, I want to be team principal? Has that always been there or did it? was it since joining Braun or Mercedes? Or when, when was that? Good question. So, so you're right. The, the main thing I'm known for is strategist, but... Um, I would say 2009, definitely that was epitome of, of me doing it with uh, one other individual. And I loved it because you did everything. Yeah. Um, but that's not how you can do modern day Formula One strategy at a high level. It, it's a team of individuals, it's software systems development. And that sort of migrated around the um, probably 2010, 11, 12 region where I had such a strong team behind me that whilst I was known for it, really what I was doing was management of team orders, what we're doing with the drivers um, and other systems behind it. And the strategy side was the hard work wasn't done, being done by myself anymore. And that migrated more and more. In terms of the, the desire to be team principal, you, you have always been ambitious, uh, which has sometimes been a, a weakness, to be clear, not a strength. But um, Overall, a good thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Better to have it than not. Yeah. Um, but but definitely there were some early early discussions I had so with Toto as well. Uh, that was a direction of travel that we need to, that I can go into. I had a, best way to describe it is I understand what goes on with the car, but I wouldn't be the best engineer in the room by any stretch of the imagination or the best technical director. There were some far, far better people than me. But I'm able to take an understanding of that and communicate it in a way that is a little bit easier to understand for most others. That's my strength. Well, we did start to see that from you at the end of your Mercedes yeah. time, we started to see you, you know, come more to the forefront in terms of explaining after races why strategy decisions were made and stuff like that. So is that involved in that, it, that role you were describing? It, exactly that. And also the role that I had changed. And this is thanks to Toto. But Toto, what he did is recognised all of these skills and recognised that I'm strategic. But there's some, many ways to think about strategy. So let's break it down. So the first one is there's a race weekend, what you do in qualifying, what you do in the race. Then there's a bit more macro. What do you do with your engine allocation across the year? What do you do with bringing your updates in? What's the best way of moving forward across the year? You go wider again. What's the best way in regulations to be strong in one year's time, two years time, four years time? What do you want to do with the FIA? What do you want to do with Liberty? What direction of travel you want to go into? 
And my role sort of grew in that way. It started with the the race weekend, what you do with decisions, and grew into, in the end, uh, Formula E, GT3, what drivers do we take? Who do we take in the Young Driver Academy? All of that started to fall underneath me. And Toto was was kind enough to give me that responsibility and, and allow me to grow into that role. And you can see how the team principal element was starting to form in all of this. So as I left Mercedes, there, there was a large chunk of the organization, especially the, the strategic direction we're traveling in, and all the drivers, um, be it race, young driver, simulator, it doesn't matter, all fell underneath me, that I'd already started to take over. And so the next direction of travel was just a very clear and obvious one, which is the next step above that again. And I, it's just something that uh, I enjoy. I, I, the pressure means nothing to me. I really enjoy the, the aspects of being able to, for example, here, and that's the reason for coming here, ground up be able to construct this in a way that I think will be successful and lead to success. But you have the opportunity. It's a huge undertaking, isn't it? It is, but it's a unique opportunity. This, this will exist once in your lifetime, and that's it. Um, where, where are we with Williams? Where do you see what's happening this season? Obviously with, with Alex Albon, who seems to be someone that you've worked hard with. I know there was all this talk about the radio communication uh, the other day. So you seem to have a nice relationship with the drivers, of course, Logan as well. How, how, how do you see the next couple of years? Good question. So start with this. This car here has, has very little influence on, on what I can bring to it at the moment for obvious reasons. We, we still today, we have an interim technical director who's doing a great job, but we don't have what I would consider a full technical structure in place. There's a number of roles that are still missing. That's just what's happened and that's where we are. And you'll be struggle to, the first thing I've got to do certainly anyway, which I said publicly as well, is make sure we put in these key positions in place because it'd be very easy and I, and I get caught up doing this daily. You get into the, the real depth of the conversations and it's lovely and I enjoy it to bits, but you're not putting in the structures in place that actually allow you to move forward. And it's the structure systems bring in key individuals that are going to be really in their respective areas leading the team forward that's the real key driver behind it. So where we are today is every race we go to, we're clearly going to try and deliver with every point we have. I, I feel that I've brought a, a little bit already to the team. If, I, if we look at where we were, certainly in barring testing to barring race to then moving on to all the races, I think the car has become more competitive. Yeah. Admittedly, we have a point to our name and we're 10th. But as I said in a, in a different form, that's, that's not really a fair reflection over where we, we could be if everything was absolutely perfect. I mean, in Melbourne... I think we would have finished sixth or seventh in a pure normal race. Possibly not. There were some very quick cars behind us, but we would have been in the points, that's for sure. But obviously situations are what they are. I'm adjudicating by six laps of the race, but the car can be quick at certain points. However, I'm not here to fight for 10th, 9th or 8th. That's just simply not it. And you won't move forward if you focus on just doing the small money share improvements around where you are at the moment, the normal development, I would call an F1 team, we've got to do some leaps. And to do leaps, you've got to kind of put the car as it is right now to one side and focus on putting systems in place that allow us to develop capability at a much higher rate than we have at the moment. And that's what's going on. So to answer your question, the, the near term, one to two years, everything is about putting in the right people into place, which will take typically 12 months. That's how long it takes to move people across organizations and the right system structures, methods in place and try and undo some of the lack of investment from the last 15 years. Some of that I'm going to need the help of the F1 commission and my peers around me because the investment were limited under a cost cap and and simply where we are today is is nothing compared to Mercedes is the, is the openness behind it really quite far behind in many regards. We'll get there. 
But that all again is going to take months to years to put into place. But my goal is to make sure that as we go through each of the years, you see a stepping up as a result of the process that we've been in place and not getting caught up in the day-to-day, let's make the car as it is at the moment in a small circle around it an improvement which is normal Formula 1 development yeah. you mentioned about sort of getting new people on board but it takes sort of a couple of years explain why it takes that long it's a good question I think for probably those outside you, many don't realise but when you have really good individuals within an organisation you, you put them onto very long term contracts it wouldn't be abnormal to have a three or four year contract so in that period of time you can't go anywhere else you, you're restrained to effectively the team you're with now you sign that clearly because also you like the team that you're with and you don't have aspirations to change that's very common in formula one certainly as an industry and it's very hard to to negotiate someone out of that much quicker than 12 to 24 months you you can sometimes but the point is it's a legally blinding contract that they've signed to go elsewhere so you're waiting for cycles for when they're coming to the end of their existing agreement elsewhere so that's the purpose behind it and it's unusual because most contracts would be three months or six months notice that's that's how they're normally constructed but in the world of f1 that's just uh, as you would imagine not how things work does that mean you as a team williams does that mean you potentially have to look at doing things slightly differently do you have to look at youth do you have to look at younger individuals coming through that you can almost be a talent spotter and seeing people you think can take the team forward in the roles you're looking for that where maybe the individuals ideally you'd be going for are in these long-term contracts um First of all, you hit the nail on the head. I think you need to do both, though. I think you need a certain amount of experience coming into the organization that shows you the way, shows you what excellence looks like, gives you development. And then you need this pool of, exactly as you describe it, youth that that are hungry for it, um, intelligent, but need direction on where to go. And you have to understand that, that those youth, we can't pressure them tomorrow to be at the level required. It's a training cycle. It will take them three to five years to be at the right level. But in three to five years, you have some incredible individuals that perform basically the new generation of Williams. So you need both to a certain extent. You don't need to completely replace the organization. That would be foolish. And we have very intelligent people here. You need one or two real key individuals. Well, super interesting change to you so far, mate. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back right after. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone. So next up, let's chat about what's going on here and now. So basically, give us, give us a bit of an idea today. What is your day? What is it, what is it in store? There's, there's in no store? one day that's the same as the next. <laughs> um, I'm I'll sure tell you that much. that's quite nice. That, that, exactly that. So I go back to why am I here? Every day is different. And uh, we're now in a period where we're going to have five races. Sorry, we've had have two of them, but three more races now. Um, effectively, it's a triple header, back to back to back on the weekend. So, the amount of time in the in the actual factory, which is where the the you know the development work, where where this next year's car and the year after will be quick, is not going to be done at the track. It'll be done here in the factory. So you want to maximise your time. So week on week or day on day, certainly if we break it down, um, you meet with all of the key individuals between your departments. So today, for example, before coming to see you, I was walking into our, our deal, our driver in Loop Simulator, spent some time with Alex, who's here on, on site as well, um, chatting to him that there was work going across the weekend in exactly the same simulator. So again, it's not a it's not a five days a week business. Typically, it's a seven days a week business. And understanding where they've got to in terms of development. And our development now, are what we're looking forward to is next year, um, the FW46. That's where we're putting our attention to what we need it to look like, how do we develop it, what our targets need to be, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a brief um, 15 minutes in my day, but an enjoyable 15 minutes. And how is Alex feeling about the situation? Obviously, being able to poke your head in and see how things are going in that direction. Do you feel like he's he's upbeat in a minute do you think as a as a set of drivers obviously logan's new to formula one so maybe this situation for him he's in that process of learning but alex has experienced you know a few years in formula one now do you think when you look at him you see a driver who's got the right mindset to lead the team in the right direction so i think johnny touched on this before but i never really got to the question but uh, let's go to alex first of all and then logan alex i've known for i'm trying to remember the, the period of time probably seven years or so so he was in the mercedes maybe eight years mercedes simulator with george as well at the same time brilliant brilliant driver i, I think i'm incredibly happy he's in williams um and he's very good at knowing how to make the car quick and get the most out of it. You've seen him in races where he has a car behind him that's definitely quicker. And 50-odd laps, not a single mistake from him. And it's hard to put in words exactly how difficult that is when you have a car behind two-tenths a lap faster. I think one, I remember Spa last year, it was like that, you know. Obviously, you guys have got a known for a particularly quick car on a straight line, and that works to your advantage when defending position. And But Alex did a mega job at Spa from memory of, you know, holding them off. It, you're exactly that. It's not a situation, to be clear, I, I want to be in, but it does showcase his talent. And, and you'll know from your driving days, both of you, Johnny, a little bit further back. <laughs> but, <Yeah>, thanks. <laughs> but it, it's fundamentally, when you have that pressure of a fast car behind, it doesn't take much to put a foot wrong. You've got to be really on your lines every single time and making sure defending. One small lock and it's done and it's over. And it just shows you his talent coming out straight away. The car being in Q3 demonstrates it again. He's really just wrangling this around and getting every last millisecond out of it. And that just showcases his strength. Same now in the deal, um, where we are and where we're working forward on next year's car, his input is 
whilst you're data-driven, that the driver is an incredible part of the process, has to be, of course, throughout this. And he's allowing us to drive the direction of travel that we need to be going in. Logan, Logan, as you said, new to it. He's now just a handful of races into the sport. And of those, in fact, he hasn't driven around any of them before, apart from in a simulator. He's never seen Miami, never seen um, Australia either. And those those were, again, tough tracks. They're not easy tracks to get to grip with very quickly. You saw the amount of mistakes, especially across the Miami weekend, just to really highlight where that is. We're now going to a sequence of tracks, though, that will allow him to feel more comfortable in what he's doing. Do you think that's been the missing ingredient, the fact that he's just generally not had the experience around those tracks? I think it's a mixture of the two things. So if we go back to Bahrain, we had testing there. So he definitely had experience there. He's been there in Formula 2 as well. Um, and what you, what you saw, his first qualifying ever, he was in the same millisecond as Lando. Just to give you an idea where he was, that's not bad on your first outing. Then from there, I think you've seen him grow in terms of understanding where Formula 1 is as his experience of tracks diminishes. So you've seen him fall away a little bit more. That's dead, still into Q2 a few times. He's, he's getting there now. And now that we get to these tracks, you should have the combination of him learning across the first four races combined with um, the fact that he knows knows these tracks a little bit more. Even so, the, the journey of a rookie in, in Formula One now, you, you're up against world champions. Everyone near enough that is in Formula One is multiple world champions. So you're against the best of the best of the best. And so that journey is not one of three months. It's one that will take you a long, long time to get your foothold and make sure that you're comfortable. And you have to be supported through that process. Yeah. So drivers, you're happy with the situation that you've got. What about as an independent team? Can you still win? I think Aston have shown this year what you can do as an independent team. And to answer your question, I think Aston have a good chance of winning the race. Championship, no, because Red Bull have done an outstanding job. (laughs) And they just. (laughs) Um, But yes, yeah, I believe now. So Mercedes will always supply um, effectively equal equipment across the teams. That that doesn't cause me any concern at all. We'll be in a situation that we have to do a better job. Where it's difficult, I alluded to it before, but this organization has, has lacked investment for 15 years, really. And what it meant is a lot of the equipment is just that, 15 to 20 years out of date. Mm. And to compete on that level in a cost cap is incredibly difficult. So if we have ISO equipment and we're able to, to effectively put ourselves into equal grounding, which is the direction of travel I hope that we'll be, be moving towards, we'll be in a situation where we will be able to compete as others are at the front. Yeah, so the cost cap should benefit you then should do it, it's a it's a benefit and a hindrance the the operational side so to explain it a little bit without going too much into finance the operational side the opex that's limited limited for all teams that's a positive thing the capex is limited as well that's your infrastructure your systems your composites area your machine shop area your simulator that's in capex and those are facilities that as i said are, are 15 20 years out of date so we need investment in there but the cost cap actually restrains us from doing that I think you'll see that change. I hope you see that change over the next three months. I hope so. Because we want a meritocracy. We want everyone on the grid to be able to fight going forward. Most intelligent teams of engineers working together to move forwards. And we're a little bit hamstrung at the moment with that. But once that's in place, I think we have the facilities, we will have the facilities to move forward. And with the direction of travel we're in, we will be able to move forward as well. So to answer your question, yes, I see even with us being attached to a Mercedes engine, we have the possibility of winning world championship. Just, um, I'm just curious, sat here, like, obviously you're describing the, the period of time that the team are going to need to go through to get back to the stage, like you say, where you've got the, the right systems in place so you can, you can fight for wins. 
What would you say? Obviously, Williams are a team with such history. They've got such a huge fan base, a lot of fans out there. What would you kind of say to them? Where, where can their expectations be for the rest of this season and maybe going into next? Where, what should they be hoping and, and aspiring to see from, from Williams as a team? I think, I think first of all, start with the season. As I said previously, irrespective of what we're trying to accomplish on 24, 25, 26, I go to every race the same as, as everyone was watching at home at TV, fighting for every millisecond we can, as does the whole organization. I think there's, a, there's an element of reality on our shoulders. We know that we are 10th or 9th fastest team. There's just different teams behind us every day. And McLaren had a, a poor weekend in Miami, unusual for them, really strong weekend in Baku. So it's, it's a little bit tricky at the moment because the teams that are in around us keep jumping forwards and backwards. I think fighting for ninth in the championship is is a somewhat sensible internal target to be setting. But the truth behind it is that we're not going to do anything that compromises next year or the year after or the year after that. And that's not the same situation as many of our peers that are on the grid at the moment. I'm here to make sure that we have a much better package across the next few years. And I think it's realistic to say we're, we're in that fight for a point every now and again. That's what I want to be achieving. Uh, and as you saw, there's opportunity this year, three times, I would say, probably, of which we had one of them that, that we managed to achieve everything. Going forward beyond here, what you should be looking for is step forwards in the right direction. That's the really important thing. It's You're not going to see a leapfrog that suddenly puts us up into sixth or fifth, but every year you should see a step forward. And as much as that might seem slow progress, at the moment, if you look at what happens, because everyone's so invested in making sure your car's quicker, and, and to explain that, actually, I'll take a step back. Formula One cars that you have at the first race of the season are in no way, shape, or form the same cars you had at the end of the season. Part of it is the driver understands the car and the engineers understand the car more, far more. But even beyond there, there are seconds of performance added to the car through developments across that season. So that's the reason why if you took a car that was at the end of the year, even a midfield car, you would find that that potentially could have won races right at the beginning, such as the development rate in Formula One. But here's the problem. You can't build and focus on future systems developments if you're running a million miles an hour just trying to improve what you currently got. So it's about trying to optimize what we've got as best as possible. And I still think there's points there to be returned whilst building systems for the future. Yeah. So systems, as we know, are very, very important. We're in a, a boom at the moment. Formula One is very popular around the world. Is there anything that you would want to change in the sport? Um, I think I think we can do a better job of the direction of travel we take around the world. We're jumping a little bit between continents at the moment, and I think that will certainly improve things. Um, I think I've already spoken about uh, the ability for everyone to be on the same level playing field. I think that's important for it as well at the same time. Interestingly, though, you're right, it's a boom. And everyone I speak to outside of this enjoys the fact that it's a sporting spectacle. For me, I'd, I'd prefer, and, and I think all of us do as well, that the the quality of racing will improve as I think the grid becomes closer in different parts. And, and it is already at the moment, but it will just make these beautiful situations where no one can quite predict, doesn't matter if you're a strategist or not, what's going to happen going forward in the future. And I think that's needed as well. But I think as a product, the direction of travel is, is good. One concern, just to bring it up to everyone, is that 26 large rule changes potentially good for racing but obviously large rule changes typically expand the field back out again so for me certainly whether we go forward or not with that rule change what's really important is stability beyond there, so that we allow all the teams to really start fighting to, to close back up to one another yeah are you a fan of what we saw in miami for example the presentation of the of the drivers <laughs> pre-race show is it yeah well yeah is it is it a good thing 
Is it a bad thing? I know the drivers weren't happy about it. Sitting at home, I thought, actually, it wasn't a bad thing. It's the only time in many respects you see the faces of the driver. So here's my view on it. Also, I mean, nowhere near either of you two, but, but drive as well. And I certainly, for, the, for half an hour before I get in the car, I'm completely locked down and no one can speak to me. It doesn't matter if they're family or not. I'm just trying to get into, into what I need to do to go out and get into the car. And I'm confident it's the same for you two. And I'm confident it's the same for every driver I've worked with near enough. And so it's really tough just minutes before you have to go out there and put everything on the line to, to be in the limelight. That's what their frustration was. And, and in part, I get it. But I'm of a different view now, which is that we as a sport are growing because we are, Netflix has done this incredibly well, but we're showing what's happening in the internal workings. It's a human sport. Yeah, there's two incredible drivers in each team, but it's a human sport and there's 17,000 components behind it. I love that. Expose it to the world, create growth. And the reason why we're here today and the reason why it's a boom is because we've done that. And I think we have to go further in that direction in a way that's constructive for the sport. And for me personally, um, both the sprint race weekend formats, which happened just prior to that weekend, which I think is different. We're trying things that work. Yeah. Some are going to work, some aren't. And I think, again, this presentation that we're doing, or the drivers, many, many people, they can't even see the helmet these days with the halo. They certainly don't see much of the driver's face. And I think it gives them an opportunity, exactly as you said. Exactly. Yeah. These are the superstars. And let's have a look at them in, in proper and understand a bit more about them. So I'm I'm of favor for it. And, and the drivers will adapt in time, I think. Well, James, you said the drivers are the superstars, but like you said earlier in this chat, the Formula One teams, it's a team sport fundamentally, and you're playing a huge role being team principal of Williams. So uh, from both me and Johnny, uh, it was a pleasure to sit pleasure. down and chat yeah. to you. Thanks for your time. And uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. We're looking forward to, to seeing the direction and the development of Williams as a team with uh, you at the helm. That's very kind. Thank you both. Well, I don't know about you, Johnny, but uh, first guest on the podcast, you know, quite quite nice, wasn't it? To have yeah. A, a chat to, to James, really interesting guy. Yeah, good to have a team principal uh, on Lift the Lid. But I, it, it was interesting because I, I didn't know about the humble beginnings. I didn't know that he was doing an F3 team and he basically sort of run that Formula 3 team and now he's running a Formula 1 team. Yeah, he's definitely had his own journey in Formula 1 and now, like you say, being team principal of, of Williams, a team with such history in the sport... Um, yeah I found that really fascinating I hope you guys listening at home enjoyed that one and uh, let us know you know in the comments and stuff like that if you would like to see us you know chat to more people like James as we uh, you know weave you into the world of Formula One yeah again it's it's going to be great to to hear from you but to hear from James there I thought it was fascinating he seemed to be very much in the time and the future that that Formula One is is at at the moment and he is into what changes are happening. That's why I mentioned about that Miami and the drivers. And it's, it's good. It's good to hear a team principal talking in, in positive ways for, for the sport. We've got to say thanks to Williams for allowing us to walk around this wonderful I'd heritage I'd love to do the site. podcast from here more often. I know, I, I think we you, should mate. do. I think I'm going to pop in. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, James, yeah. for, for James spending was, a bit of yeah, time really with us. Really nice to have a really chat with that. James. Yeah. Looking forward to the next one. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rome Wilkinson and Andy Bell. Hey, 
it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.